You're listening to a podcast from the Trinity Longroom Hub Arts and Humanities Research Institute. Thank you so much, Jenny, and so much, everyone, for being here today and to the organizer of this fantastic event. So, when we talk about the application of artificial intelligence to transcribe Trinity's manuscript, we talk about HDR, or handwritten text recognition, which is shortly, a machine learning technology designed to automatically generate text transcriptions from manuscript images. Now, as in most machine learning and as, you know, and in very simplified terms, the underlying process involves training an engine using a data set that includes manuscript images that are paired with corresponding transcriptions. Through a series of iterations, the model learns how to associate characters found on the image, which is to say characters written on the manuscript folios, with specific letters defined by the developer of the model, in, the, in this case, us. Now, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, revolutions made possible by HDR is that we can actually scrutinize texts in their entirety and at an unprecedented degree of granularity. But most importantly, we can do this at a scale by the thousand. So in other words, I think it is not so unreasonable, unreasonable to say that the application of these methods to medieval manuscripts allows us to detect patterns that we would potentially never find in a lifetime's work with manuscripts, or for which you know finding the evidence would take decades. So we wanted to give you a flavour of how we, we came to uh, what we're going to talk about um, initially. So. Uh, I'm, I've been long interested in the, the 12th century, and back in 2016, I, I got some funding from the Faculty of Arts here in Trinity for a project called Toxic, Trinity Old English from the 12th century. Uh, and at this point, I tell you that 2016 is really the dark ages compared to now, because in 2016, when I wanted to increase the representation of 12th century texts in what we had available digitally, my solution to that problem was to hire research assistants and ask them to transcribe them. We're now in it an era where machine learning makes a totally different approach possible. Elisabetta and I uh, have now moved from Toxic to another project that we're calling Ansund. Uh, and Ansund was born at 9 o'clock in the morning in Leeds, the, night, the morning after the disco, I think, oh, yeah, very much which so. is impressive, <laughs> um, because Elisabetta had been scheduled at 9 in the morning, and I went to hear her talk at Leeds, and she was talking about her work, and she said she trained a, an HDR model for the Peterborough Chronicle, which is a famous 12th century Old English manuscript. My ears perked up at this point, um, and we talked after that, um, and basically scoped some possibilities about how we could expand this. Uh, and the idea that we now have, and we have some long-run hub research incentive scheme funding for this, is to build a new exhaustive open access corpus of Old English using HCR. Um, it has some interesting objectives, which we'll tell you more about uh, in the coming slides. Um, so we want to develop some new transcription conventions. One of the really exciting things for us about HTR is that we're not bound by the QWERTY keyboard anymore. So if we want to know about the six different types of S you encounter in Old English manuscripts, we can record those six different types of S, and then we can perform analysis to tell you how they're distributed. We want to um, build a research team that can transcribe training data for these HTR modules. So that's where human input still comes in, in, in actually providing the training data, and then correcting its output. Uh, but we also want to test whether 
correction is indeed necessary. Um, there's some work in stylometry which suggests you can actually take your beautiful data, you can degrade it by 20% and still get the same results. Uh, and this is quite a fundamental shift really for humanities methodologies because if you don't actually need to correct the output of the machine learning then happy times. <laughs> and this is kind of a version of Peter's uh, use of ChatGPT perhaps to tabulate the data from the catalog uh, to get a start and, and get some sense of what's going on. Um, we want to develop a funding plan for Ansend um, and also uh, to provide through Ansend a model for HTR-led corpus building for other linguistic traditions, so the Anglo-Latin tradition as well, for instance. And so Elizabeth is now going to talk a little bit more about how this works. And Okay, so as Mark mentioned, the idea of developing this HTR model for Old English was actually born out of my research need to collate computationally all the manuscripts of the Chronicle, but I was very much surprised to see that there was nothing out there that could have helped me in this. So I had no choice but training a model myself, <laughs> and I did so um, on the Peterborough Chronicle, so on the hands who were responsible for copying and writing this uh, 12th century manuscript. Now. As we can see here, the training of the model, which we did using the software uh, Transcribus, has been very successful and returned an incredibly high accuracy of almost you know, 100% with an extremely low uh, error rate. However, things are never so simple. <laughs> so in the process of running the model on the manuscripts of the Chronicle first and those of Toxic then, the old question of what do we talk about when we talk about transcription became increasingly and increasingly prominent, more prominent in our research. In fact, what we see here are examples of transcriptions of three distinct Old English texts from the mid-17th century with Wheelock's Editio Printeps um, of the Old English version of Bits History up to 2003 with the uh, edition of the Peterborough Chronicle by Susan Irvin. And we can see how each of these items testifies to a different conceptual approach to the idea of transcription. And putting them in a sequence like this, you can see what appears to be a process of progressive distancing, that's how I have called it, from the paleographical dimension over time. A process that eventually culminated in the establishment of present-day editorial conventions used for transcribing Old English, where you know we replace the letter win with W, W, we, uh, we have the suppression of the original punctuation marks and the normalization of word division, just to cite a few cases. Now, these questions had, of course, been key in the structuring of our model since the very beginning. In fact, we know that uh, between the hands of the Peterborough Chronicle, there are important divergences. The first scribe adopting letter forms distinctive of the English vernacular minuscule, and the second one consistently using Caroline letter forms. Uh, further to this, even within sections written by the very same hand, a clear visual distinction exists between Latin and Old English material, with the respective adoption of Caroline and Insula scripts. And this is a phenomenon that, as we all know, is evident not only in this text that contains some 38 Latin annals, but in a number of Old English works that incorporate Latin and vice versa. So it has been clear to us from the very outset that our model should have been able to handle this double polygraphical nature of our material. Now, how to deal with this from a technical point of view? 
so to transcribe insular and Caroline letter forms, as well as other special characters such as abbreviations, ligatures, punctuation marks, and whoever has more of <laughs> we use the characters made available by the Medieval Unicode Font Initiative that provides a set of letter forms defining Unicode, which is the international font standard, as you can see here. These characters are implemented through specific fonts, of which Unicode, developed by Peter Baker, uh, is probably one of the most well known. And even so, after a long analysis of the existing glyphs, we detected some gaps in the Unicode set of letter forms, important gaps, such as the lack of full alphabets of rustic and Lombardic capitals, and those were gaps that we needed and that we need to address for the purposes of Ansum, so for our own project. And as you can see from this screenshot, taken from the Junigo uh, official webpage, this is currently being done, uh, thanks to Peter, who is implementing new glyphs, as we technically call them, for Anson. So um, when, we, when we learned about this colloquium, um, and indeed about the, the follow-on funding that, that's going to follow from the Carnegie project, and that it provided some provision for a trying uh, HDR on the TCD manuscripts, we naturally thought, well, could we try our model on some Trinity manuscripts to give you a bit of a thrill in the late afternoon to make up for the sugar <laughs> that has now passed since lunch through your system? Um, there's a bit of a, a challenge to this because Anson deals with Old English manuscripts, that the majority of which date from the 9th to the 12th century. They're predominantly in insular minuscule. Uh, they have small interludes in Caroline minuscule. Uh, some of the later manuscripts have some proto-Gothic features. And these are not notable... Um, features of, of the Trinity collection. There's some manuscripts with Old English, but the majority of the manuscripts are in Latin, and the majority would be from the 12th century onwards. So there were some challenges there. And one of our very first trials, when we ran it, we realized that the model had never seen a Q before, which <laughs> meant that in a Latin manuscript, it just got all the Qs wrong, which is a problem in Latin. So there are some challenges here, but we do have something to show you. So we have said that our model contains a little bit of Latin, right? But this is, of course, underrepresented in comparison to the amount of Old English material that this machine has seen. But nevertheless, we thought it was worth giving it a try. So keep this in mind when watching this. So that was not too bad. At least it worked, <laughs> which is already something. So um, the transcription is, as you can see, quite accurate, although we have some, you know, slightly wrong. Letters. What we can see here that is that the characters that are strongly read by the machine are those that are actually underrepresented in our data set. So, for instance, um, the letter Z here, which in Old English is basically inexistent, the E caudata, which again in Old English we don't have, or very little, punctuation marks, and uh, ligatures, such as here in line 12, the anti-ligature, for which no equivalent has been given in our training data, because there is no such glyph in Junicode yet. So this all means that we can actually solve these problems. We know where they come from, and there is a solution for this. And to prove this point further, we have run the model on another Trinity College manuscript from the 12th century, and I think that this is MS-174, and this is a folder from San Giles' life, I guess. And I'm gonna just show you the results in this case, so there is gonna be no Pauli effect, and everything should work fine. Again, what we see here is that in this case, those misreadings are due to a certain 
similarity in the shape of these letters. So for instance, we have O for C or EN for M, H for B, EO for EI. Or we can also see that these inaccuracies are found at the very end of the lines where we see that the ink is a little bit faded, which can also cause eventually these sort of problems. So I think that, that little glimpse uh, has shown you what's possible, uh, and we made you wait for it, create some suspense, um, so that you can already, with our model, get very accurate transcripts of individual leaves of the manuscript at the click of a mouse. And the whole manuscript could be done at several clicks of the mouse. Um, and the consequences of this are massive, I think, that um, we'll have bigger data, which offers a much wider, richer sense of the surviving material. So instead of having to go to the library and borrow editions, we can transcribe whole manuscripts at the click of a button. These digital methods offer enhanced scope for collaboration. Um, we're working in a digital environment, so it's very easy uh, to work across national lines. Uh, and they also facilitate collaboration between experts and novices. There are some obvious uses of this in teaching, which has always been a thrust of the Manuscripts from Medieval Studies project where students can um, work on training data and then train a model for themselves. We, we can show them how to do that and then get a full transcript of their manuscript and use that for their dissertation. And you can see big projects coming out of this very easily. Um, I think the data we collect using these methods will challenge accepted generalizations. Um, part of my work is revisiting what the grammars of Old English say about Old English and how careful, but a lot of it turns out not to be true. Um, and perhaps prompt um, some kind of reevaluation of the store we place in particular kinds of evidence. Um, I think that the foundations of philology emerge as quite unsound when you start to work with much bigger data. But working with big data also brings challenges. Uh, I'd like to stress. I'm, I now 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 know how to get these very big data sets. What I don't know often is what to actually do with them. So. As you get bigger data, it doesn't get easier, it maybe gets harder because you have to actually think what you do with all the information you now have and how you interpret it. And a traditional humanities training might not have been the best preparation for that. So we're, not, we're solving problems, but then we're creating new ones. <laughs> and that's how I think we'll, we'll leave you. Thank you very much for listening.